You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production. Hello, I'm Mirella Amato. Welcome to Hot Plate, a post-foodie podcast. This season, we examine the impact COVID has had on every aspect of our food system, all the way from farm to table. We'll look at how things have changed and try to untangle what's going on behind the scenes so that we can strengthen our connection to our food. In this episode, Victory Gardens and Boosting Mental Health. We're talking about food at home. Hello, Joshna. Hi, Mirella. How are you today? I'm fine. I'm well. Yes. And yourself? Me also quite well. Nice. What was the last thing you ate? Oh, leftover tacos. Leftover oh. tacos. I ordered in tacos. Uh, I can tell you I was a bit alarmed to discover that my sweetheart had never eaten proper tacos. What? Yeah. I, I don't know how that I don't know how that slipped by him. Uh, but yeah, he had never. And he made some like horrific reference to Taco Bell as his only point of understanding. <gasps> and I was like, okay, first of all, don't even let the words that that is Mexican cuisine. <laughs> like, don't even let that come out of your mouth. Come on, they're making chicken sandwiches now. But, <laughs> I was like, oh, God, this is terrible. Um, so um, he was here and we ordered in some tacos because it was too hot to, to cook. Uh, and his mind was sufficiently blown. I mean, well, how exciting is that to introduce someone it to was a amazing. food like that for the first time? Right. And oh. the proper small tortilla and the charred up onions and all the nice fresh salt. I was like, oh, sweet thing. You don't you don't even know what you've been missing. Oh, amazing. So I had the leftovers and, you know, the leftovers is perfect to like mash it all up together. Like, you know, a little refrigerator, chilaquiles, whatever, all the guac yeah. and the soggy bit. Yes, all delicious. Did you refry or just eat it cold? I didn't. I just went for it. For sure. Yeah. 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 So good. Why not? Yeah. Oh, I'm starting to get have? a feel. I'm starting to get a feel that you uh, your lunch consists usually of leftovers. Definitely. Is that? Definitely. I'm, I'm trying a to. Pattern. Uh, it definitely. And I try to, what I do is I, I pull all the things out of the fridge that need to move. Mm -hmm. right that are like we got to yeah. consume this and then whatever's on the counter that's my challenge put a meal together from this that's cool yeah <laughs> thanks well what did you uh, eat you're gonna learn something about me today too uh, nice. because i had another tuna salad on a salad with couscous oh, tuna salad yeah. <laughs> i love your meta and, uh, salad on salad right i think uh i you know I was uh, thinking about it earlier and I was like, this is a little embarrassing because I think this is the third time now that I've, I've nice. had this, <laughs> but so the great. truth is I, I eat in waves. Like my general okay. pattern is okay. I'll remember something that I like to make and then I will just make it every day for you lunch or make it every it, day yeah. for dinner until I'm sick of it. And, and it, you know, to be fair, I don't make it the same way every time. There's usually an element of like, how can I perfect this? And always, right. you know, so that this time, you know, I added the, the couscous yes. uh, as for your suggestion while well, you're, you know, your realm of suggestion. Mm -hmm. I played with different kinds of vinegar. I'm playing with uh, the addition potentially of sunflower seeds. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't make it the same every time, but I literally will eat the same thing for, you know, sometimes weeks and then I get sick of it. And then I think of something else that I like. And that's amazing. Uh, that's I like that's it. just how I go hard. Eat. It's like seasonal eating. Uh, and I'm, right? you know, I'm, I'm going back and forth between, as you know, because I'm always eating it between hummus or tuna salad. On That's my, right. On, on top salad. of your greens. Okay. Um, I love that. So yeah. Just another one. And it was, was it a good one? It was, it was, it was actually a fast one because, um, I decided, and this is maybe a little too ambitious to make baby food on my lunch break as well as my food. And okay. 
I think an hour is a really tight time space to I, make both, baby food efforts, and a meal yeah. from scratch and eat your meal and clean the kitchen all yeah. in one hour. Is, that uh, is a lot. I got yeah. it. Hey, I got it done. But uh, yeah, it was also all that to say there was no time to tinker with the right. salad. I just, uh, <laughs> awesome. I just, I went on I autopilot and, and all reliable, but. Great. That's yeah. another sort of like working at home COVID time lunch you have happening there, huh? That's right. Well, if you yeah. it works well with our topic today, which is, of course, food at home. Food at home in our ongoing investigation about the impact of this virus on our food industry. Today, we're talking food at home. Uh, and this this is this one uh, means a lot to me. Right. As somebody yeah. whose career is really uh, anchored in getting people to spend more time and have more fun in the kitchen. Uh, to me, the, the move towards all of this food action at home was very, very exciting, I have to say. And I have to admit, the first piece that we're going to talk about really surprised me. I was yeah, yeah, yeah. not expecting it. And that is the fact that home gardening continues to be a trend this year. It's you know, very a lot of cool. like the sourdough bread is long yes. forgotten, right? Lots All of those dead course starters. <laughs> people have said goodbye. They named the starters. starters they, the them, yeah. they put them in the will, but now the starters are dead. Yes. Yeah. And in fact, I read that uh, the sourdough trend is uh, is out, but what's up is pickling, which again speaks to mm-hmm. home to, gardening. That's exactly right? it. And I, I was really because i just thought like the sourdough bread because a garden is it's a lot of effort it's you know a, and it's, it's time it's and maintenance and it's, it's like time the arc of the time is long and right? i assumed that like the sourdough uh after you know the first exciting push last mm-hmm. year mm-hmm. that this year no one would be doing it and instead all the reports are that uh you know everyone's gardening you know there's seed shortages again and seriously seed shortages again like when we saw this last year the fact Mm -hmm. that people went so deep into feeling the need to to essentially build themselves some food security right that's that's, that's precisely that's what this initiative was all about in the face of unknown times uh to just start growing some of your own food it is a it's a wonderful move uh, and I was blown away that that um, over the course of sort of the harvest season last year, both seeds and then mason jars were Wait, so what? hard. Wait, what? Mason jars? Mason jars. You could not find a mason jar in this country for a good three weeks. Like not even Cause, Amazon. Because oh, people had were it. preserving what yes. they had. People oh. were. I like to think people were like literally locking their hope for you know uh, for good food into jars for, uh, for the future speaking of locking hope i read an interesting theory that i wanted to share which kind of helped me make sense of why the gardening is is ongoing yeah and this may this article made a link between the gardening now and victory gardens oh yes world yes, war yes, ii yes. And it's not the first time that I've heard this World War II comparison. Apparently, according to many people, this global pandemic is the the largest international, like worldwide upset collective Mm -hmm, experience mm -hmm. that we've had since World War II. Since that war. There is a very real uh, parallel there. So these Victory Gardens, they started in uh, the UK and then they they moved here. And the idea was to supplement food rations, right? 
So it was right. a way During to deal the with the scarcity. Okay, right, right. Yeah. That's right. Um, and their slogans were, you know, let's help to feed the nation, which speaks to this nurturing instinct, this need to nurture, totally. mm-hmm. which was also a big piece. If you'll remember when we talked about sourdough, a lot of people were talking about the idea of taking care of their sourdough starter and keeping mm. it alive. And there was and like that naming big... it and stuff. Right. Um, and, you know, the other piece of this is just morale boosting in general, right? In these times. Of, because of it, it was very much something. Pandemic, yeah. Something you could do helpless. here. Yeah. Something you do here to help over there uh, when you didn't really know what was happening over there. And maybe your loved one was involved or whatever it is. Right. 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 So um, it's just a way to do something tangible and productive when you're feeling helpless. So after I read all that, it, it, it made sense to me. It that, does. Uh, this is something uh, that's still happening. And, and there is in my work um, in institutions, having gardens in places uh, like hospitals and schools, hospitals specifically, because there's hopefulness in a garden, right? Mm-hmm. And when people are ailing or healing or, you know, in pain or whatever it is, well, being next to something that watching something grow like that is very good for the spirit and in, in many cases, good for the body as well. Um, so I think I think some of that was there is like uh, and the reliability of the fact that the tomatoes keep showing up. Right. Yeah. And that you plant yeah. a seed, you tend it. This happens. Awesome. This still works that same way. Great. <laughs> uh, and the other piece of this, which I'm sure uh, you have noticed and uh, enjoyed is who is doing this gardening. Yes, right? of course. OK, so I got really, really excited because you shared a piece that you found uh, about gardening. Uh, and about sort of the the excitement of it in this moment. And I was delighted to see that one of the voices in this piece was this young, this young uh, BIPOC kid. He was like a 16 year old mm-hmm. young black kid who was who was growing food with so much like fervor and excitement and talking about using all the different things that are available to you in an urban environment. If you don't have, uh, you know, a backyard or, or land yeah. to actually invest. So he was talking about windowsills and milk crates and all this. And, and with such, I was kind of blown away at listening to this kid be so excited about growing food on a, in an old rubber boot on a balcony or whatever it is and providing his mom and the home with those ingredients, right? It was amazing. It's so lovely. And I don't know if you caught this, but um, they, they had a quote from him and what he said was, it gets you into a spot where our ancestors would have been. And I think that's almost therapeutic. Man. It'll make me weep if I think about that enough. To I see thought of you as soon when I read that. A young kid has a young black kid has found a connection to his ancestors by growing. Oh my God! It's this is something plucked out of my own dreams, right? It's really yeah. this is a very positive, beautiful thing uh, to be able to watch something grow and connect to the fact that that is your own food security and that is it is positions you in this place in this time. Like oh, I love yeah. it. I love it. And uh, it was just. You know, so those, there's that reason, but you know, most people reported that it gave them something to do while they were stuck at home, um, and it also was a source of exercise and and helped with stress. And I do have to say, you know, as laborious and annoying as gardening is, once you're in there and you're pulling the weeds or whatever it is you're doing or or watering it, there you do have to. There is a mindfulness to it. Yes. You know, you really do have to let go and just. Uh, I can see how a lot of people would find it a great way to release stress i love that that makes a lot of sense and the other really this is just a 
tidbit that I came across yes. that I really wanted to share because I it got me excited. You know how I feel my whole influencer food influencer thing sure. and, uh, like I taking photos of, of yes. food yeah, yeah. We're, yeah we're not fans but here's an interesting thing there is a rise in edible gardener uh influencers so okay. people who are making okay. edible gardens at home apparently there's been a 400 percent growth on their channels and people are you know asking questions oh God, and really getting awesome. engaged um and i you know wouldn't it be great if food influencers shifted from like here's a picture of this plated so sorry me and the yeah. plating again but this perfectly plated situation yeah. to like hey look at this wonderful tomato that i've grown look at this i love it handful I love of it. yeah uh, much less about um aesthetic and spectacle and perhaps more about actual like uh d doing something productive and taking care of yourself <laughs> Okay, Mirella, so one of the loveliest things about this pandemic, in my opinion, has been the mad push uh, and the boost in cooking and eating at home. It, mm. is, it has been music to my ears. And in the early days when we saw this happening, when, you know, immediate shutdowns and grocery hoarding and all sorts of things, I was delighted, right? And I had heard somewhere previously that it took 21 days to build a new habit, Right. Oh. And if you can, right. 21 days <laughs> to build a new been habit. Much more than 21 exactly. days. And naively at the time I was like, oh, please let this last at least 21 days. So these new habits <laughs> <laughs> could be built. Uh, so I got my wish. Uh, I definitely got my wish. Uh, but some of the numbers that are coming out now that enough time has passed uh, with this habit being what it is, the numbers coming out are really, really interesting. Right. Mm. We have, obviously, there are boosts. We've seen all of that in terms of grocery purchasing, online purchasing, that sort of thing. But some other curiosities have shown up like these are these are stats that I found uh, for U.S. numbers, uh, obviously, because Canadian numbers aren't there. But 45 percent of the people that they surveyed uh, in the U.S. were scared to go into grocery stores because of a, a COVID uh contact uh situation right. they were sure that surface you know uh, surface transmission was a thing uh and so they were scared to even go into the store which is like that sort of its own hurdle but mm -hmm. more interesting to me as somebody who is so deeply into this is that 40 percent of people are really reporting challenges around meal planning mm -hmm. right it's just creativity and like what to cook next uh, right, people. There was that's there a real was, challenge. There's like there's a, a home cooking fatigue that appears yeah. to have set in right now, and people use the tricks that they had, uh, or you know, and and some learn new tricks. Um, but it's really like forty. That's just under half of the people who are doing this like, are just like we need some new flavor, right? We need some new yeah. ideas. I've made my six recipes that I know how to make <laughs> every <laughs> week. Once for, a week, I right? Know, it's, <laughs> Uh, yeah, not everyone is like me and can eat the same thing for. That's three precisely weeks it. Uh, and like for people who perhaps never really cooked that much at home, it's yeah. been one serious, you know, jump into the deep end on this. Mm -hmm. um, and so, but like, okay, so it uh, has really. It's the one of the things that's really interesting is to see that something that has kind of uh, been revealed here is the the resting or the perhaps lack of resting skills and kitchen skills right. that people have 
uh, right? Because that those were really put to the test. Your ability to like put a meal together, or you know, f- or get organized and make lists and go to the store and just keep, you know, keep the space rotating in the kitchen. You know what I mean? And just mm-hmm. keep a kitchen running. Those skills were not necessarily everywhere. Yeah. Um, and that that to me, you know, is is really interesting to see that these are the things that people need to learn. Perhaps not as much as like how to actually saute something or how to, you know. When you talk about the this piece here, uh, I went on a little tangent on a food waste. Okay, okay. Um, and discovered a really interesting juxtaposition uh, between two articles. And one of them was about Canada, believe it or not. Not okay. the US. <laughs> Canada. Amazing. And um, it was talking about the fact that we, the average household here in Canada wastes about $2,000 worth of food. Every year. And that's up. I don't know how they calculated this, but it's up $234 exactly. uh, I'm sure approximately uh, per household since the pandemic. And Uh, they chalk this up to to poor planning, which is what Uh you were talking about, right? That just juggling the whole uh, cycle of it, right? Um, Panic buying. Right. So people, you know, buying too much and then things go bad before they get to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and interesting, this is just a small percentage, but 10%, but still interesting. Uh, we're just throwing things out because they were, for whatever reason, afraid they were contaminated with COVID. Oh, um, wow. Okay. So, so okay. you know, that you you can't really help. But the other two pieces speak to, you know, what you were talking about that, uh, what you were talking about there. But juxtapose this with um, Italy. Okay. Yes. And in pandemic times... Listen to these numbers. Um, so 45% that this was a big survey they did uh, across Italy. 45% of the people surveyed said that their household food waste did not change. Uh, 49% said it decreased Ah. and only 6% had an increase in waste. Um, and they're, these people were still uh, purchasing a lot more. They're still uh, doing a lot of bulk purchasing. Mm-hmm, they just really mm-hmm. focused on um, a non-perishable, and they had, were really, really focused on not creating any waste. So, again, in t- in in times of austerity, you know, you have to spread things. That, that's sort of the instinct that's coming in. Mm-hmm, it's like mm-hmm. I need to make this food last uh, as much as possible. I need to use every last piece of it. Um, and this was interestingly, particularly uh, the case in low-income households and in households with multiple, uh, multiple people in them, were particularly right. inclined to have no waste or as little, less waste, certainly. And here's the quote that I, it, it tells it all. Um, okay, so this okay. is this is why they reported being able to uh, to manage having less food waste because they have more time to organize the cooking. <laughs> because of the pandemic oh my god god bless italy right there's so much there there's just like a resting like uh more more food skills you know more resting food skills people just understand how to engage with food uh a a deep element of the cooking tradition is about that frugality and the the economics of like using this leftover bread to make a sauce the next day you know what i mean and that kind of so many delicious italian dishes are based on exactly that the tiramisu with the old the old dry you know the old dry cookies getting a little warm up again and you know and a whole new dessert uh, but also, our friends in Italy just take food way more seriously. 
right? They, they, just, they, they do they respect and... it more. They appreciate it in a different way. Uh, and it's, I, I'm delighted. It's so beautiful to see that when you have that sort of collected shared ethos, look at what can happen. But this wasn't mentioned in the study at all, but I, I suspect it's a small piece of it. Um, and this is just anecdotal, but uh, I think that a big piece of it also is the tendency, the much lower, and in my experience, zero tendency to order takeout. Yes. Yes. Because um, that makes a, a big difference. And certainly I would think that any Italian household that orders takeout, it's because they don't have time to cook. And now that they have all the time in the world, not only right. to cook, <laughs> but to better plan their meals. <laughs> uh it's just that that was to me just such it's a, so great a revelatory to do this thing we love right, right. <laughs> whereas uh, here everyone's like i get you know just I trying to catch up have yeah. fatigue and and to know how to handle it all and what to do with it yeah so listen there's um there uh there's lots more positivity here because as yeah. we both did some digging uh, around the impact of cooking and eating and what this is what this is meant for people for families, um, there seems to be a whole lot of positivity around family meals. Yes, right. This thing, uh, people. Uh, I've seen this just with my people and their children, but we there there are plenty of articles to read and things to watch about how cooking at home with kids has been really quite joyful. People have learned uh, new things about the capacity of their children to be left in charge of producing a meal for the family, and that it's a perfectly okay thing for a nine-year-old to be doing. At nine? Right? Oh, for sure. I got nine-year-olds who were delighted to be making a little pesto pasta for their families and browning up a little bit of chicken in the oven or something like that. With knives? Yeah, totally. For okay. sure. Okay. For sure. I, I don't have, have a full I, concept of what a nine-year-old Yeah, my like kids right in the so. kitchen, when I used to run community kitchens for kiddos, mm -hmm. I had six to 12-year-olds with me. Amazing. Uh, and you just got to figure out what's appropriate for them. I, I, there, there are some wonderful companies that make knives, good, proper, sharp knives that are just smaller. So they fit into mm. kids' hands properly. Yeah. Uh, so the kid can actually develop good knife skills and good sort of proper knife habits. Um, it's uh, the other, the cute thing with the kids is that the ki the cooking provides two solutions one is that it's just it's a beautiful thing to do uh and it's great to learn and to be a part of it all but it also was a really happy distraction right, right. the parents were like go bake <laughs> something or go make us you know go do something it was a great way to just sort of occupy the kids uh when you know we they had all this time and they were all you know in the house to, at home together yeah the other positive thing that i know anecdotally from speaking to my in-laws is it's a great way to uh, deal with children who are picky eaters because if they've been involved in nice. meal prep they are yep. much more likely much, much to more. enjoy eating it yep um so yeah this this it's all been really wonderful and uh i actually came across an article i, I was surprised um, so this article was about the health benefits of eating in groups, and it wasn't necessarily, you know, family groups. It can also be groups of adults, it's just eating sure, together. Sure, sure. Um, but in the context of family groups, I think we all know, you know, they say it's good for the kids and, you know, it gives them time to talk about their day and you That's can right. get That's be right. in touch with them and all that. And um, it helps with their mental health and their overall health. But what I did not know um, is that studies have shown it also improves the adult's health. Right. It, it impacts the, their yes. eating habits, which mm -hmm. kind of makes sense, because if you're e sitting down with your children 
you're probably going to want to model good eating habits. Um, But adults who eat together and and parents who eat with their children have been found to have uh, better health, um, better better mental health. And this Mm. I thought very interesting. Also, um, less disordered eating so less tendency uh, to you know binge and, and diet yeah, and that the complications sort of are less uh intense uh, this way okay and the other really interesting tidbit was it's not necessarily home-cooked meals even if you do takeout and you just all uh, eat it the point is together, together as okay. a family and sharing um, food it has yeah. all these benefits and then i juxtapose that with you know another article again annoying from the u.s uh why can't we have more canadian studies please please call the canadian statistician please please yes give us some numbers data please um but they interviewed people again this is during the pandemic about how they felt about family meals and uh 78 of them all felt it was really positive it's the high point of their day it makes them feel calm um and uh, so, yeah, we've, I think so we've talked about family meals right? before, but I, hopefully this is going to stay because it it's definitely amazing. has a positive impact. It's amazing to see numbers like that. 78% of the people are saying that the family meal is, is good and positive. Like it's, it didn't, it didn't just emerge for nothing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it, the, we, we have sort of, you know, in sort of modern uh, recent times taken a move away from the, uh, you know, a, at least one family meal. Um, but for all intents and purposes, our sort of human civilization was kind of built around these sorts of traditions. Like there's a reason why you ate together in the morning, everybody went off and sort of had their own day for lunch, and then you'd return and reconnect with each other again in the evening. This is how yeah. family units, how small communities are kept together is the, is the, the mark of the day by sharing food. Um, so uh, it's, it's true, but you know, not all families can do that, right? Depending on, on work schedules. I mean, the pandemic absolutely. has really afforded this this possibility in a way that perhaps is not possible in non-pandemic times you know that being said hopefully people have enjoyed the benefits enough and really seen and felt the benefits enough that you know maybe when it's possible on the weekend or or whatnot uh it'll become a little bit more of a priority because it is really lovely to see isn't it um it's warming my heart it's one of the best news pieces that have come out of all of this All right, Mirella, tell me, what have we learned? Well, this is, I think, just a wonderful message. And because I think certainly what I have learned is that a lot of the good habits have stuck. And even though people are are finding that, you know, it is exhausting to to prepare meals, um, or in my case, annoying to to, (laughs) tend to to garden, garden. Yes, you know, we're all really seeing the value in gardening, uh, in cooking, and uh, in eating together. And that's a it's a wonderful thing. It is super wonderful. My heart is very warmed by this. It is uh, it's a good news story all around. And so, dear listeners, call to action: more of the same for me, but keep cooking at home. Um, you have so many of you have seen what happens uh, with a little bit of practice. Uh, it, it all gets a lot easier. So many folks uh, really appreciating the develop the growth in their own skills in the kitchen and that there is more success and hopefully a little bit more joy as a result. So keep cooking for yourselves. This is this is really awesome non-pandemic behavior. 
you are enjoying our podcast, please support us at patreon.com slash hotplatepod. Hotplate is part of the Frequency Podcast Network. Please consider leaving us a rating or review. It helps others find us. You can follow us on Instagram at hotplatepod. Follow me at Virology on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And follow Joshna at Joshna Maharaj on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Hot Plate is produced by Mirella Amato, that's me, and Dennis Coyne. Original music by her brother. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.